I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD So, does anybody remember, I know it seems like it's forever ago, do we remember when we were 5-3, and three, leading the NBA in three-point shooting, the number four seed, ahead, ahead of the New Jersey Nets? <laughs> Man, does shit change? Can shit change in just like within the snap of a finger? Not even a week, maybe a week since. Oh my gosh, as some stuff went down. I mean, I'm wearing black tonight because I'm looking at it as the official death indicator of your 2021 Knicks in terms of trying to contend. <laughs> this is it. It's like the it's like when Kenya Martin and the Knicks in 2013 wore black. Was it 2013? I don't know. That one year, and then it kind of cursed them. Yeah, it was in the playoffs against Boston, I believe. I don't remember. Um, but man. Well, this is why I try not to get too too excited. You know, for the ups. Um, and just try to keep a, an even keel. Because this game can humble you. in just like that. It did. 5-3. and three. We were leading in three-point shooting. It looked like we were heading for a year where everybody, everybody was talking about pushing for the playoffs. You know, everybody was a little in over their heads a bit. But, hey, sometimes you need lessons. And, and the Knicks currently on a four-game, four-game? Yes, a four-game losing streak where, you know, most of these games outside of tonight's game against the New Jersey Nets um, have been uncompetitive. So they're in a rough patch. And uh, you know what? Let's just cut to the elephant in the room before we even get into tonight's episode. Um, first of all, I hope everybody's doing well. I am your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 203 of the podcast. You're listening to BD4. BD4 is sponsored by Anchor, but BD4, um, it's where there's no better way. There's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. So let's get to the elephant in the room here. All right, let's kind of touch on that really quickly, really briefly, because I don't want to spend too much time on it. Because, you know, truth be told, I don't really care what other teams are doing. But the, the, the New Jersey Nets made a move, to say the least, earlier tonight. Um, and they, they went and acquired, you know, Santa Claus. <laughs> My buddy just texted me that photo of him. Oh my gosh! I I actually thought I I thought it was photoshopped. I thought it was photoshopped. I mean, talk about bloated. But yeah, to, to cut the bullshit, the Nets traded for James Harden. So you know, amidst all the 
I don't know if we want to call it chaos yet, going on in the organization with Kyrie Irving. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, maybe that had some influence on why they went out and acquired James Harden, right? But they have him. They have all three now, and whenever it is that Kyrie Irving is allowed to play basketball again, that whole situation is, is interesting. It's crazy. Um, but when he gets back, you're going to have three really, really, really talented players. Um, but three really, really, really big egos on one basketball team with an inexperienced head coach. Yes, it is Steve Nash, but, you know, coaching and playing are two completely different things as we've learned in the past. So, you know, there's this whole, there's only one ball narrative that's being tossed around constantly every time superstars join together. Um, but honestly, you know, it's, it's, it's a valid concern for some people. You know, I, and when I say some people, I, you know, I know a lot of Nets fans or, you know, relative statement because there are about nine or 10 Nets fans that exist. Um, but you know, the majority of, of those nine fans, a lot of them might you know, seem to kind of not be for this Harden deal. Um, because of things like that, right? A lot of ego on one team. You know, there's going to be some fighting over who's the guy, although it's probably going to be KD. Um, but, you know, there is only one basketball. That's three very offensive-minded players in one on one, not just roster, but in one starting lineup. Um, and, you know, so one would argue you already had a championship-caliber team with those two. So why... Leverage your future just for a bonus piece, right? Because they got rid of a ton. They lost some uh, some big pieces in Jared Allen, who was their defensive anchor at the five spot. They lost a 20-point scorer in Karis LeVert. You know, I'm pretty sure he plays the uh, wing or two-guard position. So they lost a lot of depth. Um, and it looks like, you know, and, and there's... You know, there's going to be some defensive issues. There's already some rebounding issues, some defensive issues already. But losing Allen, getting somebody like Harden to play alongside Kyrie, who neither of them play defense very well. You know, you're going to be playing some small ball, right? DeAndre Jordan, even if he does fill the five spot, he's he's pretty washed up. He's nothing like he was as a rim protector in his prime. So you're going to have some defensive issues on top of that question if they can click offensively, you know, listen, I don't know if it's going to work. You know, I don't know. Um, in my opinion, to, to summarize it as best as I can, it, it would, it, it could either really, really, really pay off. And, you know, Sean Marks strikes gold and the Nets just create a, you know, golden state like dynasty. That could very, very well happen, right? These are three, you know, players bound for the Hall of Fame, you know, you can make a case for Kyrie, but, you know, three really talented players. So it could really pay off, right? They could boom. But on the flip side, there's a very valid, again, cause for concern here that if it doesn't pan out, it could turn into an utter freaking, I'm trying not to curse anymore in my podcasts, disaster. Right. I mean, talk about, again, just, just the way this is set up to look. 
if it doesn't go bad. Kyrie, you know, the whole thing in Boston, uh, even before that, you know, couldn't even play your side. LeBron James without his ego getting in the way. And then there's the Boston thing. Oh man, that was a joke. That was just a drama show itself. And now you have already, not even two weeks games-wise, into the NBA 2021 regular season, you have this whole thing going on with him sitting out because he didn't feel like playing, quote-unquote, and not even contacting Steve Nash. And now you have this whole other thing on top of that where he was, I guess, seen at some birthday party um, without a mask on, and, and now he's, you know, that's violation of protocol um, with COVID. And now he's not able to play until I think it was at least Saturday. And if they find evidence in this video, it could be you know, some more punishment. I don't know. So there's already drama there, and there's drama about, you know, obviously Kyrie and, and Coach Nash already. Not really, you know, there was a whole thing when Kyrie was calling out Coach Nash or saying that you don't really need a coach in today's game. A lot of shit already that's just unwarranted, right? If you have that on your mind, fine. But you don't just say that to the media. You say that behind closed doors. And so, you know, and Harden, right? He's not really, we saw him clash with CP3. Uh, the whole Westbrook thing didn't work out. You know, he's not really a winner. He's a great scorer, a superstar scorer. He's going to go down as one of the game's better scorers of all time. But is he a winner, right? Can Kyrie Irving take that third role and, and win like that, right? Is he going to let his ego in the way? Kevin Durant, I'm not concerned about. Kevin Durant knows how to play. He's going to be the alpha of this team. But it's those other two guys. Will they buy in? Will they have to take that step back? And will they all figure it out I don't know so like I said it is a boom or bust thing um it kind of reminds me I'm gonna make a maybe an unfair analogy here but you know in 2017 when the Yankees went out and signed Giancarlo Stanton to play alongside Aaron Judge and at the time a promising Gary Sanchez right and, and it's been well, we're, we're 17 18 19 20 we're four years into that process now and it's kind of um or three years, sorry, with Giancarlo. Um, but it's it's not working, right, so far, right? It's not exactly when it's planned. We've had injuries. We've had underachieving seasons from, from certain guys. And it's not exactly when as planned. You know, paying all this money to Giancarlo and uh, hyping all these guys up like Judge and Sanchez. And, you know, paying all this money to Garrett Cole. We still don't have a championship in this new regime. You know, so you hope, I mean, from a Knicks fan's perspective, I'm hoping they, I'm obviously hoping they, they, they fucking, I cursed, they, they fold. I want them to fold, right? But you just wonder how it's going to go down, right? So that's pretty much my take there. Get that out of the way. Um, absolute boom or absolute bust in terms of this whole net situation with Harden. But if you're Sean Marks, you better damn hope. You better hope this works if you're Sean Marks, because I've heard Nets fans not really be for this. A lot of Nets fans I've been talking to are are not for this, right? The the nine Nets fans I know in this world, I really don't know. You know, most Nets fans I'm, I'm thinking are of the younger generation. You know, folks who've hopped on from when New Jersey transferred to the Brooklyn Nets, um, which I still won't give them respect of calling them that because they're not a New York team. Um, but I, I just think. The Nets are your typical 
you know, is it Gen X, the younger generation type of team? That's most of their fans are, are just, you know, guys that have hopped on the bandwagon. You don't really know many diehard Nets fans. If there are, God bless you. I know Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts is, you know, from WFAN. He's a big Nets fan, but he didn't like it. You know, I was watching the video with him and uh, Carton. Um, he, he, we got his live reaction. He was not for that, you know. Again, like I said, kind of leveraging the future, and you're hoping to. You could have won a title without Harden, right? You you could have been that you were you were a championship contender without him, and you had your core. But now you lost your entire you know young core that looked promising on the surface. That you know Knicks fans were comparing them to to the Knicks core with for the last couple of years. Now you lost that, and you have a, a couple of guys who are over thirty. Um, and you're hoping you have to win now. And if you don't win now. You're back to, you know, where you were in 2013. Bunch of washed up stars and, and a low win total missing out in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how that shapes up. Huh? But uh, let's get to it, guys. Let's not waste any further time. I do want to talk Knicks. Um, I'm a little tired tonight. It is late. Watched that Knicks-Nets game and, and that kind of took a lot out of me. But um, let's get to break. And when we get back from break, we'll get right into things. All right. Be right back. fellows so really briefly before we get back into things here i just want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast to bd4 then you can go do that right now on my website you can go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect once again in order to subscribe to this podcast bd4 and if you want Follow me on social media and subscribe to the blog that I write. Just go to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Guys, thank you so much and let's get right back into it. All right, so let's let's rewind a couple of days. <laughs> let's go back to, um, I don't even know, what was it? Was it a Friday night? When the, uh, I don't know, when the Knicks were taking on the Charlotte Hornets, they they lose their third straight at the time, uh, 88 to 109. <laughs> Knicks shoot 39% from the floor. I don't want to go over this game too into detail, so we'll kind of just skim through it and talk really about the meat and potatoes. Um, you know, I'm not going to take too much time summarizing the Hornets game, nor am I going to take too much time summarizing the Nets game tonight. I just want to get into, you know, there's just the important things. Um... So they lose to the Hornets, 88-109, uh, shoot 39% from the floor, 65% from the free throw stripe, and 24% from downtown. Um, they were plus 14 on the boards, which was nice, but um, they had 20 assists versus 17 turnovers. So two very horrible numbers there. Hornets on the flip side had 49% field goal percentage. They were 41% from three, and uh, they shot the ball at an 87% clip at the free throw line. Um, they, you know, came into the game leading the NBA in assists per game, and they had 28 more. That was one below their league leading average, and not only did they dime out 28 assists, but they turned it over only 10 times. Um, LaMelo Ball, Devontae Graham, those two combined for half of those 28 assists with seven apiece. Um, you know, and so the Hornets were pretty much just pushing the pace, moving the ball around. The Knicks were playing their slow-ass, you know, boring offensive game, um, Knicks go down 10-0, not even three minutes in, maybe. Um, 
didn't hit their first shot until Mitch tipped it in with like 7.45 to go in the first. Hornets end up taking a commanding 31-14 to lead sometime during the first. Um, the Knicks kind of respond after that. They make an 11-0 run to end the first quarter. That was cute. You had Nerlens Noel turning into David Robinson, playing some good basketball for a change. Knox and Rivers were connecting on a couple of buckets to end the period. Um, Knox ends up with 17 points in the first half. You know, he was hitting shots from the corners like Novak. Um, but it was pretty much Gordon Hayward, on the other hand, who was just dominating the Knicks, causing misery in that second period. Um, he was getting to the line. I think he got to the line eight times in the second quarter alone. Gordon Hayward did um, hitting jumpers, dunks, layups. The Knicks just couldn't contain him, and he had 28 points at the half of his 34 total. Um, so the Hornets go into the half up seven points, 57 to 50. How the Knicks were still in this game, no idea, but that ended quickly. Uh, the second half came, Hornets went zone again, the Knicks lost any kind of rhythm they had, um, and they mustered up just a pathetic 38 points in the final two frames. Um, you know, they adjusted to Knox, but Tibbs doesn't counter, and so Knox doesn't really get many shot attempts in the second half. That was an issue for me. I was hoping they could find him some more looks, but they couldn't get Knox any more possessions, and he only ended up with two points in the second half. Um, RJ continued to build brick mansions. I mean, shit. Um, cursed again. Uh, despite looking like he kind of found a rhythm in that third period with a couple of moments, he just went back to, to missing shots in the other three periods around that. So he was not good. Rivers was connecting. Um, he was pretty good in his first start over Reggie Bullock. Um, but every time the Knicks scored, it didn't really matter because Charlotte responded with the basket of their own. So... That was fun. Uh, fourth quarter came, and it was pretty much just garbage time. Um, I put the national championship on the other TV, was paying attention to that more than I was the Knicks, which wasn't much of a, of a game itself. That was a boring joke of a game, um, unfortunately, as an Ohio State fan. Um, but the fourth quarter in that Knicks-Hornets game was pretty much just Alfred Payton taking up those garbage time minutes and, and padding his stats that, you know, Making, making himself look much better than he is. And that's my issue with with the, you know, the 0.1% of Knicks fans who are pro-Payton. I haven't really came across any except for one boomer in some YouTube comment section, which I should be spending my time in. But, um, you know, Payton had a, he was on his way to like a subpar 4 for 10 night, I believe. But he ends up hitting four meaningless field goals in the fourth quarter, I counted. Um, I wrote them all down because I want people to know how fake his numbers are um and he does this often but here he is in the fourth um he's like four for nine or four for ten entering the period just you know nothing good single digit point total maybe 10 but just nothing good um but in the fourth quarter comes he hits one shot to bring the knicks within 14 with eight minutes left um hits another shot to bring them within 17 with three minutes left um, hits another to bring them within 15 with two and a half left and then hits another one more to bring them within 15 again with one and a half left. So four really, really meaningless um, field goals that padded his numbers and ended up finishing the night for 15 points on 50% shooting. But again, very misleading. Looked a lot better than the way he performed in the first three quarters. Um, he was awful and he's been awful and we'll get to him. Um, another bad loss. So, you know, there was just no offensive flow. The ball stopped moving. 
when we got open shots, we missed, but we really couldn't get any good looks. Um, we couldn't adjust to their zone. They were attacking us with the zone, as many teams often do uh, when they play this Knicks squad. So something just fell and scared the shit out of me. Um, but, but um, like I said, it, it was a bad game. The Knicks just couldn't adjust to no matter what the Hornets did. Um Knox has a team-high 19 points. Mitch has a team-high 11 rebounds. RJ and Randall go for a team-high 5 assists. And, you know, Randall has an off night, but probably his first really bad night of the season. Just 11-5-5 with 4 turnovers. Um, RJ, pathetic again. 5 for 18, 0 for 5 from 3, 11 points. But, you know, that'll do it when your two best offensive weapons are... You know, having nights like that where they combine for 26% to get 22 points, you won't win games, right? And, and so having RJ and Randall off in one night, that's bad. So obviously, you know, we'll pick apart everybody individually. I want to get to both of these games first. Um, first, let's head to break. We'll get back. We'll break down game two a little bit, and then we'll um, we'll kind of, you know, go into the, the individual aspects and dissect Thibodeau and the state of the Knicks. All right, so we'll be right back. Just trying to figure, um, the software I use is so slow, man. Hold on. All right, we'll be right back, and uh, we'll get right into it once we get back from break. All right, so the Nets, um, I don't know. I don't really want to recap this game. It was just because my mind was racing. You know, even though I'm not trying to focus, really care much on the whole Harden trade, my mind was just thinking about that. And I was just focusing on, on, on you know, on, um, I was just on Twitter, pretty much just rage tweeting this game. <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of time looking at my phone, but, um, Knicks lose 109-116 the first half. Yeah, let's just say they were very flat. Um, didn't really, you know, pretty much more of the same. Second half comes along and the Knicks more competitive in that fourth quarter. They kind of make that fake comeback. Their their trademark fake comeback happens and they pull within like four points in the final minute or something like that. <laughs> but uh, New Jersey hits their free throws and pretty much that'll be that. KD actually had a comeback in the game. Which was, it was pretty funny. We had to do that. Um, we had to make them come back in because we made a little bit of a fake comeback. But we lost. And so here we are, four in a row. Um, and this is what you get annoyed about. This is what you get a little bit concerned about, right? You have a team who's five and three, right? They, they feel confident. Things are looking bright, looking up. And um, this something like this happens. 
you know, you, you fall to 500, then you fall under 500, and, you know, now tonight you're 5 and 7, kind of pushing yourself a little further into that hole. You hope it doesn't become a train effect, domino effect, whatever, and, and just lead to one thing after another, and the team starts just folding and tanking again. You hope it's not that. But listen, as as I said, entering the year, I'm not expecting the Knicks to contend this year. Okay, so I never thought they were a five out of every eight games team, right? I didn't expect them to be, you know, to hold a playoff spot for long. So I'm, I just want them to remain focused on certain things. I want them to remain focused on... Um, on their youth, first and foremost, and at least competing hard. If you're not going to contend, go out there and compete and be in games. And they were in this game tonight. You know, there were moments where it looked pretty grim, but they were at least fighting hard tonight. Much better than you know, the piss-poor product they had out there in the previous three games. Um, so, as long as we do that, right? As long as we remain focused on the youth and go out there and play hard, stay the course, stop trying to, you know, don't take shortcuts like, like, Sean Marks did tonight, and just stay the course, stay on this rebuild path, I'll be fine with it, right? Because we don't have the offensive talent to compete right now, right? I don't think anybody should expect us uh, or to contend, rather. You know, I don't think anybody should expect us to, to make the playoffs this year. That was delusional. You know, we kind of got on our high horse for a bit. It was fun, but in reality, I still think we can be watchable. I don't you know, want to, I hope we're not going to throw out a team who looks as bad as we've looked in the past two years, right? I still think we'll see a watchable product this year, something that has fans feeling more optimistic uh, instead of feeling, you know, pessimistic about them. I still think that has a shot, you know, under Tom Thibodeau. So that's a good thing. But in terms of contending for a playoff seed, no, we don't have the shooting, we don't have the offensive talent. Um, we just, we, you know, we struggle, you know, without shooting and without shooting and not being able to swing the ball around enough, you know, teams are going to attack us with that zone. You know, we're seeing the two, three zone thrown at us every single night because we have lack of personnel. And, um, so we just don't have the offense to do it. The defense is better. The defense this year has improved. It's trying right, right now they're, you know, up there with, you know, in the bottom, oh, I'm sorry, in the top half of the league in defense. Um, I don't think it's going to continue to be top 10 like it is right now. You know, it's it's already starting to slip a bit. You know, we were top three, then we were top five, and now I think we're like borderline 10. I have to look, but I think in the end it'll be more middling than anything, but I still think it will be decent, the defense, right? We're fighting hard every night. Um Sure, it will catch up to us eventually, but I, I still think we'll be somewhat competent on that end. Um, so, listen, I, I just want to keep playing the youth, right? I just want to keep playing the kids. And you look at it this year, and there are a lot of positive signs from some from some guys. Um, Kevin Knox is playing really well this year. You have to give him credit. Um, you hope that he can become this Steve Novak catch-and-shoot type of guy, honestly. Well, he did create a couple of open looks for himself tonight, and we saw him take it to the hole, so that was nice. But honestly, at this point, uh, I wouldn't hate if he relegated to this, you know, this Steve Novak guy who just 
catch and shoots and launches triples from the corner and the wing three and does that because he's doing his thing off the ball right now. Um, so if he relegates to, you know, somebody who just comes off the bench for us or, you know, at least gets 25 plus minutes a night, which he's seeming to get because he's earning it lately, um, and gives you 10 plus points, shoots over 40% from three, that's great. And so that's what I'm hoping to see from Knox more consistently this year. And we're getting it. So I'm very happy that we finally have something here that looks promising uh, with Kevin Knox. Still very early. You know, we've seen him put together, you know, stretches of, of brilliance and then just completely flop for the next week or so. Um, so we have to see consistency. But this season, you know, he hasn't really had those major flaws yet. He hasn't really had any stretches where he looks unplayable like he's had in, in the previous two seasons. So that's a positive sign. I hope we can continue to play him. Um, some folks talking about starting him. That's a little knee-jerk reaction for me. I, I like where he is, um, but I say continue do, doing what we're doing. And Tibbs is giving him minutes. Tibbs is giving Kevin Knox... Um, he's given Kevin Knox 20 plus minutes, you know, the past few games. So as long as he can continue to do that, play 25 minutes, at least that would be my ideal scenario here. That would be huge. So got to credit Tom Thibodeau there. Um, might as well get to RJ Barrett real quick. Um, listen, it would help. Okay. If we surrounded RJ with some complimentary pieces, right? Um, instead of spotting him up on the wing 90% of the time and taking these catch-and-shoot three-pointers and exploiting his weaknesses for some reason, can we do the right thing and, you know, surround him with players that compliment him? You know, he needs space to work in the mid-range area, in the paint. And doesn't get that. He simply doesn't get that with Alfred Payton out there. Right? He, he plays so much better. You watch these games. He plays so much better whenever Payton leaves the floor. Everyone does for that matter. So I would just love for us to play RJ with quickly at the lead guard spot. And, and slide in when he gets back Burks. But for the meantime, even Rivers or... or you know, Bullock, whenever he gets... You can't have this whole Peyton at the point guard spot thing going on for the rest of the year. Man, you just can't. And we're going to get to that more once we start talking about quickly in a second. But RJ, in order to get him to thrive, I think one of the things that needs to happen is, yes, he's got to play with guys who complement his game more. That would really help his efficiency. Also, the shot selection, right? Sometimes it's on him. Sometimes he's just not really taking smart shots. He's forcing it maybe because the confidence is low and he's kind of just overthinking maybe. Um, but stop taking, you know, I don't want to see five point, uh, five three-pointers a night, right? I don't want to see him launching them the amount of three-pointers that, that sharpshooters would take. No, that's not his game, right? I think he should model his game off of guys who have that same type of archetype, right? The DeMar DeRozans of the world. The, you know, a lot of people have talked about Jimmy Butler. Um, I've heard Dwayne Wade comparisons, and I'm not talking about talent level or ceiling. I'm just talking about archetype. You know, guys who thrive in the mid-range, guys who thrive by, you know, driving and attacking the rim. 
Guys like that is who I think RJ should really try to model after and, and play to his strengths, right? So I would like to see that, right? Because you don't see Butler, DeRozan. These are guys who take two, maybe three-pointers a night. Uh, DeRozan, you know, sometimes none. Uh, a lot of the times none. And same with D-Wade when he was playing. He, I think he only averaged like three in his career. So these guys don't take many because they know that's not their strength. And they... You know, I don't care what what the the analytics say. You can be successful and shoot the mid range. Um, that's his bread. It's his bread and butter. It's his bread and butter, right? So, I just think he has to he has to perfect one of those things. Try perfecting the mid range, or try perfecting that whole bulldozing thing he's got going on, right? Attacking the rim, playing bully ball. Um, that's who R.J. Barrett is. That's why he was drafted. Not because he was a spot-up shooter. He's never been a spot-up shooter. That's always been the worst part of his game. So why are we using that as, as one of the more frequent ways he's going to get his baskets? It's not working. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Um, now, one thing that really concerns me about Barrett is, you know, if you're a guard or even a wing, whatever, and if you can't shoot, you know, my rule my rule is usually if you're a guard or a wing, you should be able to do at least one of two things. You should be able to shoot, but if you can't shoot, you must be able to create off the dribble at a high level. And RJ isn't much of a creator, right? He's crafty. You know, he uses his strength to get to the rim. But he's not much of a ball handler, right? He's no Kyrie Irving with the ball in his hands. He doesn't really create space off the bounce and with handles. So that's kind of concerning for me as a wing that he's kind of a little one-dimensional in that aspect where if he's not bulldozing, he's not really doing much offensively. The mid-range is promising, but even that, along with the finishing, is inconsistent right now. Um... So the three-point shot's a whole different story. That's pathetic. I, I don't want him taking much, uh, you know, take the open ones and, and, and limit yourself to two or three a game. No need to just take threes. And part of that's on him. But again, a lot of that is Tom Thibodeau just needs to play him with guys who, you know, develop his game more. Um, are some of RJ's struggles due to the minutes? It's a hard argument to have. For me, it's not as easy as some people are, are saying it is. I don't think it's a huge issue right now. This is a 20-year-old kid who only averaged 30 minutes a night last year. He's averaging 38 tonight. I mean, uh, this year. I mean, he's only, what, 12 games into the year? I don't think the minutes thing is, is really an issue because the shooting woes have been an issue since day one of his career, right? So I, th I just think it's it's coming down to a lack of shooting talent from him. He doesn't have that talent as a three-point shooter, and he's not really surrounded, again, with the guys who complement his game. So I don't think it's minutes. I, I really don't. Um, no, eventually it would be nice to, to, you know, to give him some some rest when he needs it and you know not play him 40 minutes in blowouts but um right now I'm not really disappointed with the minutes distribution that RJ's getting. I'm happy he's playing, right? I wanted him to play. We wanted the kids to play. We're getting it. Um so uh, let's see what else do I have written down here. Uh I'll get to Randall last. Um 
But like I said, you know, you hope that we can just continue to grow the youth. If RJ is going to be inconsistent, let's try to find ways to where he is more consistent, right? And the whole bus talk is, is to me, that's a joke, right? Uh, first of all, you can't call a player, you can't label anybody a bust when they're not even a year and a half yet into his career, into their careers. Okay, this kid's barely, uh, he was a teenager all of last season, so I'm not going to call him a bust. You can say that you think he might be a bust eventually, sure, but there's there's no point in really drawing that conclusion right now, right? Like, like the whole calling him a bust thing doesn't really benefit the Knicks. What does that do, right? They drafted him. They have no plans to trade him. They have no plans to cut the guy. So he's here. And until you hear otherwise in the headlines or wherever, until you hear that, he has to play to get better. Until you hear anything about RJ leaving or moving or trading him somewhere, until you hear that, he's going to have to play. All right, you're going to have to stick with it. He's going to need to play to start to get big minutes so he can try to improve. So that's just nonsense. It shouldn't even be entertained. But, you know, play RJ. Try to become more, try to try to get him to be more efficient. There are many ways to do it. And I, I think Tom Thibodeau has to find a way to do it. And, and it comes down, I'm sorry, don't mean to keep harping on it, but Alfred Payton, got to go, got to go. Tom Thibodeau, I'm sorry, I like the job he's done for the most part, but playing Alfred Payton, we're 12 games in, we're still not getting much. He is absolutely pathetic. It's just, it's a move that's that's kind of causing me to really, really dislike what Tom Thibodeau is doing here, if this continues. I mean, I, he's so, so counterproductive. Just... Please, just watch it, bro. Watch a basketball game. Watch a Knicks basketball game. Watch them consistently and tell me. Tell me. I dare you to tell me. I dare you to watch the Knicks consistently and tell me that Elford deserves to start every single friggin' night for 30 minutes plus. You cannot. You cannot justify that. And here he is out there. There's not much else to say. I know we repeat this every single episode, but only because it's true. I mean, how do you keep running this guy out there? We're not going to contend for a playoff spot this year. So why not? Why not go with youth over the journeyman veteran placeholder? The guy you just signed for a couple bucks for a year. I'd rather see IQ struggle and go through another 2-for-24 stretch, whatever it was, than see Peyton play at his norm. I would. And most of us would. IQ's at least young. He's exciting. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he has an upside. He shoots the ball well. He pushes the pace. He moves the ball well. Things he was drafted for. I'd rather see him go out there and go through ups and downs than watch Alfred Payton be consistently bad and, and on his best nights, barely above mediocrity. I mean, the guy had a 22-point night once and he shot 10 for 15 or something like that. Then he goes out and scores 17 points on like 16 shots and we're going nuts. 
because he scores 22 and then 17 and then maybe 15 the night after. If that's the absolute best we're getting from him and we're going nuts when we get it for a two-game, three-game span, that should tell you all you need to know about Alfred Payton. He's just not it. He's not the answer. He, we don't need to see anything from him. You're not developing uh, Alfred Payton. And not to, not to keep killing the guy, but it just doesn't make sense, right? Maybe if the Knicks had some shooters, if they drafted guys who could really shoot the ball well, please. <laughs> um, but maybe if they had shooters surrounding Peyton, right? Like normal NBA teams do when they have at least four shooters in the starting lineup. Maybe it makes sense, right? He can distribute that way, kick it out to open wings on the perimeter. But the Knicks don't have any shooters. They don't have a single jump shooter in their starting lineup right now. So why are you starting your lead guard? Why are you putting Alfred Payton at the lead guard spot? When nobody is a shooter on this team, on this, in this starting lineup, RJ can—it's just—it's—it's as simple as that. He cannot play to his strengths when Peyton is on the floor with him, and that's way too often. Mitch doesn't get the amount of lobs he should be getting when Peyton shares the floor with him. We're even seeing Randall. I saw on a possession tonight, completely ignoring Peyton. I mean, the defenses don't respect anything. When Peyton has the ball, they just allow him. They allow him to dribble around and do his bullshit, jerk-it-off shit he does. Because they know it's just not going to benefit the team in the end. You know, they know that it's going to benefit them. And not to mention, his defense, Peyton's defense is so, so bad. I don't know what people see when they say he's a decent defensive player. Not this year. He's getting ripped this season defensively. So I, I, I say, you know, go quickly. Please, go Emmanuel quickly. The guy's exciting to watch. He had a great game tonight. Great game tonight. Um, he went out and scored, I don't know, 20-something points, maybe 19 or something. I don't know. But he really did well tonight, and, and Peyton just continued to, to tank. Tank. He's your... He's your t he's you know we had Emmanuel Mudiay, the tank commander in chief. We had Mario Hazonia, the tank commander in chief. Well, this year it's Alfred Payton. <laughs> the guy is just not it. He's not the answer. You can't expect Barrett to improve his game, to start improving his game, by continuing to throw Alfred Payton out there and just vomit bricks, and play half court basketball, and ignore four or three of the four guys around him. It just, it's not going to work. And I'm tired of it. And Tom Thibodeau so deserves the flack he's getting right now for putting this guy in the line. I don't know what he sees, but Peyton's going out there every night, getting 30 minutes, hogging possessions, launching, you know, 13, 14, 15, sometimes more shots per game. Why are we drawing plays for this guy? Why is he second? He's second on the Knicks in usage rate. That is absolutely disgusting. I'd rather Randall run point forward for every minute he's in the game than watch Peyton do it. Because at least Randall's putting up 25, 10, and 8, whatever the fuck it is. I'm tired of it, dude. I 
am so sick of Alfred Payton. Um, on a positive note, Mitch tonight, uh, his second consecutive double-double. But yeah, it would be nice if he got fed more. Talk about RJ needing to be featured more in the offense, but Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson could be a guy who scores you at 15 points a night if we just simply ran some more pick-and-roll action with him. Throw him some more lobs. He's been fantastic this year. But some of that's on him, right? He Sometimes he... He needs to look at the basket more. When he catches the ball, he doesn't look at the basket. He's afraid to put the ball on the floor. He's afraid to take a jump shot despite, you know, always teasing with fans about how he's going to shoot. Put out another Instagram post or a story on Instagram of, of saying, you know, screw it. I'm going to bring out the jumper tonight. I'm like, yeah, okay, dude. Short thing. You've said that about 15 times in the past two years. So, short thing. Um, but you know, it would, it would be nice for him to take a jumper or, or even a hook shot or develop a post game or something to get his offense going more, but still the Knicks should look to involve him more. Um, seriously, he could give you 15 points a night simply by just running him more in some PNR action. You know, he's always in the dunker spot. So hit him up on the, on the lob. It's just, it's not happening with Alfred Payton out there. It's not friggin' happening. He's not doing the job. He's not cutting it. He never will cut it. He is seven years into his career. He's been the same exact player since day one. Nine points, 10 points, 11 points on average. You know, 40 to 43% from the floor. Under 30% from three-point distance. <coughs> and not cutting it. Not cutting it defensively. Excuse me. Oh, man. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm tired of him. Um, So I'd like to see RJ play with a better point guard. I'd like to see Mitch get involved more as well. I would like to see... You know what's... It sucks. You know, we have all these injuries, but can we get some Iggy right now? I mean, I get Knox is earning his time, but there's still some spots open for Iggy. Plug him in in a small ball lineup. Why did we draft this guy? And why are we calling this guy the steal of the draft if we're not even playing this kid? Didn't play him at all last season. Have a feeling once the G League starts up pretty soon, he's going to go there. But it's unfortunate. I would even rather see Jared Harper um, play point guard before before uh, Peyton. Seriously. Anything at this point. DSJ. And that's that's... At this point, oof. But, honestly, man. But, yeah, I would like to see Iggy get some time with the three spot. I don't know how, but... Um, Burks, I can't wait till he gets back. We just need more shooting, man. At least that guy can shoot the ball. And I'm not expecting him to be on fire. He's going to lose some of that rhythm he had early on. He was scoring like 18, 19 a night. Maybe more. But, you know, play maybe three games and was shooting 67% from, you know, three-point. Um, I don't expect that to continue, but I still think he could be a 15-points guy. He was a 15-point guy last year. Be a good scorer for us and bring that veteran presence. <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe if we're talking about not being this good this year and we get to the deadline and Burks is finally healthy and he's playing well again and Randall 
keeps up his high level of play. If we're not contending, if we're we're, you know, bottoming out again, or just not in contention, do you just go full on rebuild again? And do you just trade? You know, you flip a couple. You flip Burks. Do you flip Randall? Right. Um, now the Randall thing is intriguing, right? It's very interesting. Uh, talking about first round picks, maybe in return. My ideal scenario, if I'm trading Randall, is to get a couple of first rounders. I, uh, you know, one doesn't cut it. I would want a couple of first rounders. If I'm just getting one first rounder, I would like a decent young player in return. Um, one guy I really like is Devonte Graham, and I've heard people talk about him. Um, I love Graham. I've liked him since last year when he hit the game winner on the Knicks. He's really good at creating off the dribble. I know he's only shooting like negative 5% from the field this year. He's really, really been egregious. But um, I still think he's talented. He's young. And he's got a lot of uh, upside. Um, but I don't think I don't think that's realistic. Um, uh, we have to see. But, you know, it's worth thinking about. Because eventually we're going to have to develop Obi Toppin, right? Obi... Actually came back tonight, but played for about 30 seconds. I think Tibbs just wanted to have him run up and down the court just to see if he looks good. Um, but, you know, eventually Toppin's going to have to develop. And, you know, we didn't draft him at number eight um, to be a 20-minute guy off the bench his entire career. And, yeah, obviously, you know, in an era like this, I don't see, you know, a Toppin-Randall-Mitch tandem or trio ever working out you know, in one starting lineup. So eventually I think Randall will have to be moved. Um, so why not do it when his value is at peak value? Um, but it all comes down to what the Knicks record looks like at the trade deadline. Do they, you know, are they still going to be, you know, in contention? Does that change things or are they going to be, you know, like they are right now where it looks like they're just going to come back down to earth and be a team that's headed to the lottery for the whatever consecutive year in a row. So it all comes down to what happens in a few weeks from now, months. I don't even know when the deadline is. Um, so that's that. Um, yeah, guys, just... So here's the thing. All in all, I'm fine with just running. Uh, listen, I like the job Tom Thibodeau has done. Um, I just, there's a few things I would tweak, right? I would cut the dead weights. I would cut, uh, and I don't mean literally cut, but I would, I would, you know, try to play certain guys over other guys, right? The, the three dead weights to me are Alfred Payton, um, Reggie Bullock, and Nerlens Noel. Uh, I'm pretty good with all of them. I don't need, I don't need them getting big minutes anymore. I, I don't. Um, you know, talk about Peyton. Uh, hopefully, you know, when Frank comes back, it'll be more of a rotation with quickly, uh, Frank and Harper, or maybe Rivers played in some point. I don't know. Um, although Frank's not a point guard to me, he's better suited off the ball and he was doing a pretty good job. You know, he's doing a pretty good job just shooting corner threes, running off the ball when he was healthy, you know, being that three and D wing for a couple of games, but. Um, I just, I, I, please, there's no harm. There is literally no harm in just going IQ at the starting point guard spot. You know, the whole thing with quickly, yeah, he's finishing games. At least he's finishing games. Well, he's not even been doing that lately. And plus, uh, starting is, is big. 
getting off to a good start is, I said it before, crucial in the NBA. Start the damn guy. No more Peyton. Nobody wants to see that. So Tom Thibodeau, figure the shit out, dude. You gotta figure it out. It's right in front of you. You have to think he knows. He's a, he's a film guy. He's been around the game for a while. At one point, you gotta figure it out. Because 12 games seems like it's 30 games with the way we're dealing with it right now. He's just not doing the job. And I don't care about the fake numbers. He's not even putting up credible numbers for the amount of possessions he gets. Figure it out, dude. Figure it the freak out. Anywho, yeah, replace those three deadweights. Peyton, um, Bullock, um, you know, I would just give me more Burke minutes once he gets back. Or Burke's. Um, and then Noel. No, he's not doing the job. I thought he was going to be this athletic big who kind of threw down some lobs and, and protected the rim. But he's been anything but that. He looks like Tim Duncan on some nights, and he then he looks like friggin', you know, who's been a really, who's that? Uh, oh, Noah. <laughs> Nick's version of Noah on other nights. So... You know, hopefully when when Obi gets back for for good and we start playing him more, Burks gets back and you know, maybe Frank. That that kind of uh, pushes some certain guys out of the rotation and maybe that'll kind of uh, force, not force, but but influence Tom Thibodeau to not do this whole short rotation of seven, eight deep. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that Obi's back. I hopefully he can get some minutes and then not play for you know. Four seconds to run the floor for for a quick minute, um, and and really actually play out there. I think he can really benefit this team with his not only floor spacing, but you know he, he's his shtick is you know playing in the short roll, uh, playing in the short corner, you know the dunker spot, and just throwing it down from there, playing on the low block, and you know occasional pick and pops. Sure, you know I don't want him hovering. And just standing outside the three-point arc like we saw in game one. Um, but I think Obi, excuse me, eventually can be that guy who is a brute force on the inside and occasionally stretches the floor for you. So excited to see him back. Hopefully he can get some more minutes next game. Um, I have to look at the schedule. Don't know who's up next on Friday. Um, Burks, man, uh, he's in the walking boot. And it doesn't look promising right now for Burks. It, it sucks. But it doesn't look promising right now. And that's the key piece we're missing. Um, and then Frank. I don't know what the hell the deal is there. Whatever. Uh, but Obi and Burks are the two guys you really want back. Um, take pressure off of Randall. You know. Take pressure off of RJ. Get some floor shooting or uh, spacing around him. And uh, yeah. So 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 I just want I just want to rebuild the right way. Just stay on course here and... Continue playing the youths, right? Try to cut down the pain. The fuck? Cut down. Just don't play Alfred Payton, man. I'm sorry. I am absolutely done with him. I'm done with him. Um, that's it. That's it. You know, and I'm not saying tank. To me, tank is different than just wanting to play youths, right? Tanking is to me, it's it's losing purposely. Um, I am so against that. I think that is absolutely toxic. I think that right there is why the Knicks have not attracted these stars over the last couple of off seasons in the summer. Um, 
just go out there and fight hard with the young kids. That's not called tanking. You know, if you happen to lose a lot of games, you lose a lot of games. But if you fight hard with, you know, the pieces they have on this roster, with the youths they have on this roster, I think you'll be a watchable product. Um, again, I don't think um, we're going to win a ton of games this year. I don't think we'll be that team who goes on these runs like they had earlier when they were 5-3. and three. But I do think they could be somewhat watchable. If they can be 10 games under 500 at worst by the end of the year, that would be an improvement if it comes from the youths, right? If it's the veterans going out there and doing this for you, that's not really improvement in my eyes. So I like what I'm seeing. I just don't want to see EP out on the floor for my basketball team any freaking longer. Please, please stop doing that, Tom Thibodeau. Please. And, uh, that's it, guys. I just... But, yeah, don't don't get confused and, and think I want tanking. You know, tanking is toxic. And, and all the guys who want to tank for Kate, uh, Cade and want the Knicks to not win games, simply... There are literally people who want to root against the Knicks just so they get this Cade guy. Have you watched the last couple of seasons and see who we've ended up with? We never got Zion. We never got the Mellow pick. I know Edwards was number one. We were not getting lucky. We haven't been lucky since Patrick friggin' Ewing, man. What are you guys seeing here? I mean, you guys are already bitching and complaining about R.J. Barrett every night. You guys were just calling Kevin Knox a bust before the season started a couple weeks ago. You guys complain no matter what. Easy on the tanking talk. Easy with the bust talk. And sometimes just gotta stay patient. I know that's a really big trigger word around this fan base is patience, but I really think we need to stop being so reactionary under Tom Thibodeau here. I'm not extremely optimistic. I'm more just see where the hell this goes. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. But I think if we continue to do what we've done so far through these first dozen games, which is, you know, for the most part, because again, Peyton's a joke. Play the youths and, you know, find some kind of balance when you mixed in some vets, mix it in some vets here and there, and they're contributing and competing. That's fine. But at one point, you know, maybe we're going to have to bite the bullet on contending and just go full on youth. But in the meantime, man, regardless of what we try and do here, I don't even know if I'm making sense at the moment, but regardless of what we're trying to do here, You've got to find a different solution at point guard than throwing out a guy who just throws up bricks and doesn't play good basketball. He doesn't exist offensively. He's not good defensively. He's just not a good player for the young core we're trying to develop. Guys, that's all we've got for this one. I'm sorry I went so long, but um, that's it. That's all for this episode of BD4. Let's get to the NYY NYK question of the day, and we will wrap this thing up. All right. All right. Um, all right. So last time out in episode 202, our NYY NYK question of the day, sponsored by Anchor. 
was in 1950, the Knicks made the same specific playoff round for the next three years. So starting in 1950, the Knicks made a specific playoff round for the next three years. Which playoff round was that? Um, I guess a hint here, they lost every one of those playoff rounds. So which round was that? So one last time, that was the question for episode 202. Um, starting in 1950, the Knicks lost the same specific playoff round for three years. Um, the answer to that question, it was the NBA Finals. Yes, they made the playoffs, uh, the finals. They made the NBA Finals for three years, starting in 1950. And um, they uh, lost everyone, clearly. I didn't know that. I really didn't know that. I looked that question up on, on Google, on some trivia site. And um, I'm not sure that's true. To be honest with you guys, I don't. I didn't know they made the finals three times in a row. I, I, for some reason, I feel like that's fake. So if I'm wrong here, and that's that's an incorrect question, I'm sorry. But think, saying that out loud, I don't know. Maybe it's a sketchy website I was looking at. But um, <laughs> apparently, I don't know. We'll have to fact check that. <laughs> we'll have to fact check that. All right, uh, but tonight's question, I can promise you, is a legitimate one. Um, tonight's episode, 203, our NYY NYK question of the day is, when the Warriors' Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points on the Knicks, yes, when he scored 100 points on the Knicks that night, who was the Knicks' leading scorer? All right, so who was the leading scorer for the Knicks in that game where Wilt dropped 100 so let me know the answer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can comment the answer once I publish this podcast that you're listening to. Or you can just message me the answer in my DMs. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to BD4. This is RJ Carbone, your host, RJ Carbone of the podcast of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. You can find BD4 on so many platforms, um... You can find all the feeds for the podcast on my website on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. There should be a tab called Connections. Click on that, or I'm sorry, called Outlets. Click on that Outlets tab, and that will take you to a page that displays all my information, ranging from the different podcast feeds to find this. Um, and you can also find my social media on there, and you can find um, the blog on my website as well. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, this is your host, RJ Carbone, with episode 203 of the podcast of BD4. And that is all we've got for tonight's episode. So the Knicks, back on planet Earth. They are back on planet Earth, and they are not looking as great as they did early on. But I'm just going to wait this thing out. I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm just going to play it out. And hope that we continue to do the right thing. Um, hope RJ builds off of a, a decent performance tonight where he wasn't missing left and right like he's been for the last week plus. Um, I hope Mitch continues to play at an exceptional level that he's playing at right now. I hope that Randall continues to play as great as he is right now. Um, I hope that Knox continues to thrive under Tom Thibodeau. A lot of guys are really doing good under Tom Thibodeau. We need to remember that. I hope Frank comes back, gets healthy, and continues to play well. Burks, the same thing. I just hope, you know, my one biggest knock here is that we cannot have Alfred Payton starting point guard, man. All right, so that's my biggest takeaway from this one. No more Payton. Please stop it. Please end that, whatever you want to call it. 
experiment or, or just just disaster. Um, everything else, though, I'm not shocked about. Okay, so um, we're going to have ups and downs, guys. So that's all we've got for this one, episode 203 in the books. And I'll see you guys next time. I'll see you in episode 204. But if you haven't checked out the blog, be sure to do that because I do nightly recaps of the Knicks. So I'll see you then if you follow the blog. Um, but if you're just here for the podcast, I will see you in 204. Guys, thanks so much. All right. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.